Welcome to the Unsearchable Riches podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I apologize for delaying the last episode of this series in case you were eager for it. I got sidetracked about the few of the projects, but trust me, if it is God's will, this podcast is far from over. I have two great news for you. Firstly, by God's grace, my first book, The Slender Path, has been published and is available for free on Apple Books, Google Play Books, Amazon Kindle and Kobo. For more information, please visit www.samuelphillips.in spelled as S A M U E L P H I L I B S .in. Secondly, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, I have been given ideas, thoughts and materials for a brand new series. I cannot wait to unfold that to you. I'm working on it and will upload them as frequent as I can. I thank God for his continuous support and I appreciate the time you take to listen to what I have to say. I pray that this will be a blessing in your life. The journey I spoke about until the previous chapter is of a certain level. Whereas the one I'm about to describe now is of a different story. Being saved, transformed and sanctified is one aspect. and sustaining that experience through all odds lies ahead the last step in the slender path is to attain a victorious life this is the apostle's goal and was also demonstrated by jesus in a human form this is where the intensity of the spiritual battle increases because as you draw near to god the enemy begins to devise plots to make you stumble many have made it until here and were drawn away from God because of their weaknesses. Matthew 7:21-23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. you who practice lawlessness does it sound harsh that's the difference between being a christian versus a believer of another faith righteousness until death is considered the kingdom of heaven is not for the lukewarm or hypocrites as jesus said you cannot serve two masters you won't be able to come at and assist either one entirely first kings 18:21 And Elijah came to all the people and said, "How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him; but if Baal, follow him." The Bible states that it is like playing the harlot, and we wouldn't please God. We separate ourselves from him if we are confined to this world and thus are lost. They put him to shame by living with the namesake spirituality. Being lukewarm is dangerous. and the judgment for it is terrible revelation 3:16 so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth all face trials and temptations and it's more dominant for a christian because of their faith in jesus the costs for each of those differ and that's a different discussion altogether being able to overcome all of these and presenting ourselves righteous is what sets a true believer apart. Kindly note that this is different from being sanctified. 
have described it in the previous episodes. The journey after that equally matters and it is described in 2 Corinthians 7.1 and 1 Thessalonians 5.23. There are many interpretations and teachings about the victorious life. I want to direct you towards reading Romans 12.1 and 1 Peter 2.5. In the first reference, Apostle Paul implores us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Apostle Peter in the second reference reveals us to offer ourselves as living stones. This is what it means to live the Christian life. Not merely being born in a Christian family, accepting Jesus or exhibiting spiritual gifts is sufficient. Love is essential in everything. A person once asked me to define Christianity with one word. I closed my eyes for a few seconds, thought about it and said, love. Please read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 to 8. Jesus and the apostles had exhibited it throughout their lives. God is love and without that, humankind wouldn't have had a chance to attain the former glory. The burnt sacrifices offered during the period of the law were supposed to be without a blemish and out of one's free will. The one who was offering it had to place their hand on the head of the animal. When this was done, the sacrifice was accepted and atonement was made on their behalf. The sacrifice made by fire is a sweet aroma to the Lord. Leviticus chapter 1 from the Old Testament describes this in detail. Jesus Christ made this propitiation and atonement by becoming the sin and curse. Since that is the ultimate sacrifice, we no longer have to resort to animal sacrifices for redemption. However, while we live in this body, we continue to live as a new creation until death after accepting Jesus. One can only proceed towards perfection by overcoming sin. Sin can creep in through trials, temptations, and sufferings, and also through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 one can only be able to trample and win over with God's grace and assistance. The preparation and presentation part of the burnt offering surprises me. After the sacrificial animal is killed and blood sprinkled all around the altar by the priests, it is skinned and the flesh is cut into pieces. The fire is set and firstly, the head and fat are laid on the fire. Then the entrails and legs are thoroughly washed and laid. It is only then considered and accepted as a burnt sacrifice. An animal without a blemish was set apart from the others right after birth for these kinds of sacrifices. Some may wonder, is it the animal's fate to be born without a blemish and later be burned just because God had commanded? If you look at it through the lens of the Bible, out of the abundance given to us by God, it is a small token of gratitude with a dedication to glorifying Him. The offering must be with the pure heart and voluntary. Those animals born with a blemish are used for one's profit while living in this world and are killed for various reasons. Compare the purpose of both the animals and apply it in one's spiritual life. I don't mean to compare humans with animals though many times we might have behaved worse than them. Ponder on the order and way of the burnt offering. When we are made a new creation by accepting Jesus 
and baptizing in his name, we are no longer of the world, but are set apart to live a blameless life and earn that place in eternity with him. The sinful desires and dangerous thoughts that spark in the mind of one's head should be burned along with self-pride and ego, which resembles the fat. It doesn't stop there. The ways and paths are to be cleansed, and at most care should be taken not to fall back to the former ways. It resembles the entrails and legs. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice, shed the flesh's hidden desires, and live a life that pleases God and magnify His name. We all know that there is nothing we can take from this world along with us after death. However, the Bible states that we carry our deeds and are judged accordingly. One can be the most successful person with the highest amount of philanthropy, but that cannot cover the sinful deeds they've committed. Indeed, there are blessings for those throughout generations, but it should not be confused that they can redeem one from them being eternally judged by God. Apostle Peter leads us to be as living stones, built up as a spiritual house, rejected by the world but accepted by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 reveals that our bodies are temples filled with the Holy Spirit. Individually, we ought to survive towards keeping this temple holy. Since our battle is not merely with the materialistic world but also with evil spiritual beings, we need the Holy Spirit to overcome them. John 14:26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus had assured us, and we now have it. However, in these bodies, which are temples of God, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to stay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Imagine you oversee a holy place, and in this case it is a church. Someone walks in and carelessly spits on the floor. Or imagine someone pasting a poster of a movie where crime or lust is glorified. Would you ignore it and move on thinking, do I care? I think someone sane would immediately step forward and let this person know how the place should be treated. Similarly, think about what all we have been allowing into this body which was redeemed from the bondage of sin through his ultimate sacrifice. The church is dedicated only to God and the things and events of it are solely confined to glorifying his name. Similarly, have we devoted our bodies in that manner? We expect God to immediately answer our prayers and seek instant blessings, while on the contrary, our bodies are entangled with worldly pleasures. If you're fighting the right fight with God's grace, that's amazing. But for those who have given up, sin which was waiting at the door will enter and cause severe devastation bodily, spiritually, and mentally. In the times we now live in, peace has become a luxury. Not many have it and most of us seek it. People are attempting various methods in its pursuit, but the one true way to attain it is only through Jesus. A prayer of true repentance is heard and when God brings the change, peace is experienced right from that second. Individually, we need patience, love and endurance just as we need to read 
God's word, praise his name, and pray regularly. While it helps to deepen our relationship with God, it also showcases our faith level through various times of trouble. Christianity is not just the name of a religion, but a realistic and challenging experience altogether. It's not only until one starts to believe in Jesus, but a path to righteousness until their last breath. It is a journey individually with the better half, with the family, and notably with the church. The Bible states that every Christian is a member of the church, similar to every body part that is a member of the body. While denominations and divisions have come into existence due to varied doctrines, being part of a church that continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking bread and praying is essential. This is what the early church followed according to Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Jesus is the head and church is his body according to Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Not being part of a church means not being part of God, though one has accepted him and calls themselves a Christian. The church is the bride betrothed to Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 to 27. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The one marriage made in heaven is between the lamb and bride. Revelation 19, 7. The lamb refers to Jesus who was slain for the world and the bride is the church which has accepted, experienced and overcame the world for him. Many believe that suffering is for those who are being punished by God or facing a wrath of a curse. While someone is attaining success, that is attributed to holiness. I want to remind you of Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Though certain metals are recognized as precious, their value rises to the utmost only when refined and shaped through fire. So also is a righteous Christian life. Those baptized through the referner's fire find praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some refer this to the baptism of fire. The usual suffering of life is similar to all humans, but the victorious life brings out the real sufferings when pressing towards the goal. They're not of the world and hence face oppression, but enduring it while being humble is a sweet aroma to God who will in turn glorify them in the presence of the heavenly hosts at the appointed time. Consecrating our lives to God and being set apart from the world makes one a biblical Christian. Even the slightest form of recreational intoxication, evil desire, or unclean thought is a step into the steep slope of boundless addictions and cremation of peace. Now that I've been using the word victorious throughout this chapter, and haven't mentioned a reward for it. Well, here they are. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Revelation chapter 2 verse 11. 
To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 to 28. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna, I will also give that person a white stone with the new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. These verses are from the New International Version. The hope and rewards of eternity are not just limited to these verses. I hope and pray that this will enable you to explore the Word of God and the book of Revelation further. The heavenly riches, books, everlasting crowns, and rewards are the ones we need to earn and labor. As we seek to secure investments and bonds for multiplying wealth on earth, we ought to secure our spirit in the righteousness of Jesus to be with him in eternity. Jesus said that even the Gentiles are concerned about the future regarding basic needs and earthly possessions. However, we do not have to trade our peace in the pursuit of them. Our God knows that we need them and understands that our lives become terrible without them. While we pray and ask for them, our prime desire and longing for blessings should not just be until death, but unto eternity. Once we vacate this body, the show's over. The body can no longer feel or experience the weeping of our dear ones, the stench of the grave, rotting of flesh, or the decaying of bones. However, our spirit will experience the events which will unfold later. It is either eternal damnation in the unquenchable fire of hell or eternal fellowship alongside God in a new place altogether. Please note that there is no repentance after leaving this world or a temporary phase for us to depend on somebody else's intercession. There is no reincarnation but a resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 20 to 26 But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. 
for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The real enlightenment is when one receives deliverance from the clutches of this world by seeking first God's kingdom and following the two great commandments of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, these are not mere imaginative thoughts of one's hope, but the truth which Jesus had revealed to us through the Holy Spirit and apostles. Many saints and godly people across the globe were given a glimpse and experience of the afterlife through visions and dreams throughout hundreds of years. Currently, the events of the end times as prophesied in the Bible are quite evident. Nobody knows the time and date of the harvest except for the Father. Being prepared and sharing about it is really necessary. The good news and the spiritual doctrine that I've presented to you through the series is not only because of theoretical knowledge through theology, but also through a first-hand experience and confirmation from the living God. I pray that you live the real Christian life, be the light that shines in the darkness, and reap the rewards of it with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Amen. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Thanks for your time. Please take care, stay safe, and God bless you.